This is Everyday Light, a perfectly imperfect reading of the One Year Daily Bible. I'm Molly, a fellow pilgrim on the road to the kingdom, and it is a joy to have you traveling this journey with me, with the Word of God as a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. Welcome. This is the One Year Bible Reading for January 1st. Happy New Year, everyone. And I want to give a warm welcome to those who may be new to joining me today. And this may be part of a new habit or spiritual discipline that you are taking on for the new year. Um, some people are uh, not a big supporter of New Year's resolutions and and habits, uh, but I love using the new year as a time to kind of reconsider where I've been, where I'm going, where I want to be. And so if this is something that you're taking on for the new year, I'm so pleased to have you. You are my kindred spirit. Uh, so before we begin, uh, let me tell you that I read from the New Living Translation, the 1996 edition. So if you like to follow along, uh, the, the NLT electronically will be the closest version, although the 96 edition is slightly different. So you will experience a few differences there. Um, and at the end of the reading, so we read uh, from the Old Testament, the New Testament, Psalms and Proverbs every day. And then at the end, I either read a blessing or a devotional or something that I've been reading that I'm excited to share with you. So uh, let me also give you the encouragement that I think that the biggest obstacle to developing a new habit or a new discipline is discouragement and is inconsistency. Um, and so if you find that you fall behind in this discipline, please don't throw in the towel because any time we spend seeking the Lord in his word is good time that we're spending. So if you get behind, who cares? Just fast forward to the day that we happen to be on and keep going and be uh, graceful with yourself. So Genesis 1, uh, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was empty, a formless mass cloaked in darkness and the Spirit of God was hovering over its surface. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light, and God saw that it was good. Then he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day and the darkness night. Together, these made up one day. And God said, let there be space between the waters to separate water from water. And so it was. God made this space to separate the waters above from the waters below. And God called the space sky. This happened on the second day. And God said, let the waters beneath the sky be gathered into one place so dry ground may appear. And so it was. God named the dry ground land and the water seas. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, let the land burst forth with every sort of grass and seed-bearing plant, and let there be trees that grow seed-bearing fruit. The seeds will then produce the kinds of plants and trees from which they came. And so it was. The land was filled with seed-bearing plants and trees, and their seeds produced plants and trees of like kind. And God saw that it was good. This all happened on the third day. And God said, let bright lights appear in the sky to separate the day from the night. They will be signs to mark off the seasons, the days, and the years. Let their light shine down upon the earth. And so it was. 
For God made two great lights, the sun and the moon, to shine down upon the earth. The greater one, the sun, presides during the day. The lesser one, the moon, presides through the night. He also made the stars. God set these lights in the heavens to light the earth, to govern the day and the night, and to separate the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. This all happened on the fourth day. And God said, Let the waters swarm with fish and other life. Let the skies be filled with birds of every kind. So God created great sea creatures and every sort of fish and every kind of bird. And God saw that it was good. Then God blessed them, saying, Let the fish multiply and fill the oceans. Let the birds increase and fill the earth. This all happened on the fifth day. And God said, Let the earth bring forth every kind of animal, livestock, small animals, and wildlife. And so it was. God made all sorts of wild animals, livestock, and small animals, each able to reproduce more of its own kind. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, Let us make people in our image to be like ourselves. Notice the plural there. They will be masters over all life, the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and all the livestock, wild animals, and small birds. So God created people in his own image. God prepared them after himself, male and female. He created them. God blessed them and told them, multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. Be masters over the fish and birds and all of the animals. And God said, look, I have given you the seed-bearing plants throughout the earth and all the fruit trees for your food. And I have given all the grasses and other green plants to the animals and birds for their food. And so it was. Then God looked over all he had made, and he saw that it was excellent in every way. This all happened on the sixth day. So the creation of the heavens and the earth and everything in them was completed. On the seventh day, having finished his task, God rested from all of his work. And God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy because it was the day when he rested from his work of creation. This is the account of the creation of the heavens and the earth. When the Lord God made the heavens and the earth, there were no plants or grain growing on the earth, for the Lord had not sent any rain. And no one was there to cultivate the soil. But water came up out of the ground and watered all the land. And the Lord God formed a man's body from the dust of the ground and breathed it, breathed into it the breath of life. And the man became a living person. Then the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east. And there he placed the man he had created. And the Lord God planted all sorts of trees in the garden, beautiful trees that produced delicious fruit. At the center of the garden, he placed the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. A river flowed from the land of Eden, watering the garden and then dividing into four branches. One of these branches is the Pishon, which flows around the entire land of Havilah, where gold is found. The gold of that land is exceptionally pure. Aromatic resin and onyx stone are also found there. The second branch is the Gihon, which flows around the entire land of Cush. The third branch is the Tigris, which flows to the east of Ashur. The fourth branch is the Euphrates. The Lord God placed the man in the Garden of Eden to tend and care for it, but the Lord God gave him this warning. 
You may freely eat any fruit in the garden except the fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you eat of its fruit, you will surely die. And the Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a companion who will help him. So the Lord God formed from the soil every kind of animal and bird. He brought them to Adam to see what he would call them, and Adam chose a name for each one. He gave names to all the livestock, birds, and wild animals, but still there was no companion suitable for him. So the Lord God caused Adam to fall into a deep sleep. He took one of Adam's ribs and closed up the place from which he had taken it. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib and brought her to Adam. At last, Adam exclaimed, she is part of my own flesh and bone. She will be called woman because she was taken out of a man. This explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. Now, although Adam and his wife were both naked, neither of them felt any shame. Matthew chapter 1. This is a record of the ancestors of Jesus the Messiah, a descendant of King David and of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac. Isaac was the father of Jacob. Jacob was the father of Judah and his brothers. Judah was the father of Perez and Zerah. Their mother was Tamar. Perez was the father of Hezron. Hezron was the father of Ram. Ram was the father of Amminadab. Amminadab was the father of Nashon. Nashon was the father of Salmon. Salmon was the father of Boaz. His mother was Rahab. Boaz was the father of Obed. His mother was Ruth. Obed was the father of Jesse. Jesse was the father of King David. David was the father of Solomon. His mother was Bathsheba, the widow of Uriah. Solomon was the father of Rehoboam. Rehoboam was the father of Abijah. Abijah was the father of Asaph. Asaph was the father of Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat was the father of Jehoram. Jehoram was the father of Uzziah. Uzziah was the father of Jotham. Jotham was the father of Ahaz. Ahaz was the father of Hezekiah. Hezekiah was the father of Manasseh. Manasseh was the father of Amos. Amos was the father of Josiah. Josiah was the father of Jehoiachin and his brothers, born at the time of exile to Babylon. After the Babylonian exile, Jehoiachin was the father of Shealtiel. Shealtiel was the father of Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel was the father of Abiud. Abiud was the father of Eliakim. Eliakim was the father of Azor. Azor was the father of Zadok. Zadok was the father of Achim. Achim was the father of Eliud. Eliud was the father of Eleazar. Eleazar was the father of Mathen. Mathen was the father of Jacob. Jacob was the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary. Mary was the mother of Jesus, who is called the Messiah. All of those listed above include 14 generations from Abraham to King David, and 14 from David's time to the Babylonian exile, and 14 from the Babylonian exile to the Messiah. Now this is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. But while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant by the Holy Spirit. Joseph, her fiancé, being just a man, decided to break the engagement quietly so as not to disgrace her publicly. As he considered this, he fell asleep, and an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. 
Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to go ahead with your marriage to Mary, for the child within her has been conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All of this happened to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet, look, the virgin will conceive a child, she will give birth to a son, and he will be called Emmanuel, meaning God is with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord commanded. He brought Mary home to be his wife, but she remained a virgin until her son was born, and Joseph named him Jesus. Jesus was born in the town of Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About that time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, where is the newborn king of the Jews? We have seen his star as it arose, and we have come to worship him. Herod was deeply disturbed by their question, as was all of Jerusalem. He called a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of religious law. Where did the prophets say the Messiah would be born? He asked them. In Bethlehem, they said, for this is what the prophet wrote. O Bethlehem of Judah, you are not just a lowly village in Judah. For a ruler will come from you who will be the shepherd for my people, Israel. Then Herod sent a private message to the wise men, asking them to come see him. At this meeting, he learned the exact time when, the, when they first saw the star. Then he told them, go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child. And when you find him, come back and tell me so that I can go and worship him too. After this interview with the wise, the wise men went on their way. Once again, the star appeared to them, guiding them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the altar, they were filled with joy. They entered the house where the child and his mother Mary were, and they fell down before him and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasure chests and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. But when it was time to leave, they went home another way, because God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. I think it was so interesting. I read this account uh, this past Christmas and noticing how many times the Lord spoke in dreams. I also learned that the wise men likely came from Babylon. They may have been Jews, faithful Jews who were waiting for the Messiah, but who did not return with the remnant from the Babylonian exile, um, but rather stayed as, as wise men in Babylon. So whether that's the case or not, I found that very interesting. Psalm 1. Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked, or stand around with sinners, or join in with scoffers. But they delight in doing everything the Lord wants, day and night. They think about his law. They are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season without fail. Their leaves never wither, and in all they do, they prosper. But this is not true of the wicked. They are like worthless chaff scattered by the wind, they will be condemned at the time of judgment. Sinners will have no place among the godly. For the Lord watches over the path of the godly, but the path of the wicked leads to destruction. Proverbs 1, 1 through 6. These are the Proverbs of Solomon, David's son, king of Israel. The purpose of these Proverbs is to teach people wisdom and discipline and to help them understand wise sayings. Through these Proverbs, people will receive instruction in discipline, good conduct, and doing what is right, just, and fair. 
These proverbs will make the simple-minded clever. They will give knowledge and purpose to young people. Let those who are wise listen to these proverbs and become even wiser. And let those who understand receive guidance by exploring the depth of meaning in these proverbs, parables, wise sayings, and riddles. And to end today, I am returning to Selwyn Hughes um, and our consideration of these Psalms of Ascent that the uh, Jewish pilgrims would sing on their way to Jerusalem. And we are in the first, Psalm 120, this uh, account relating to verse 2. Save me, O Lord, from lying lips and from deceitful tongues. The more disillusioned we are with the world, the more motivated we will be to pursue the Christian way. If we are not willing to face the reality that we live in a fallen world, that the latest invention is not going to bring us utopia, that possessions fail to give any lasting happiness, then we are not going to move along the rugged road of faith with a steady tread. My favorite word to summarize the message of this, the first of the Songs of Ascents, is renunciation. The psalmist seems to have made a decision to move away from the lies he has heard. And we too must make a similar decision. We must renounce lies such as human beings are basically good. We are not responsible for the way we are. We can find happiness independently of God. The truth of God does not begin to dawn upon us until we realize that we have assumed what we have assumed was the truth, that we are masters of our fate, is in fact a lie. It is painful to admit that we have been taken in by the world's lies, but until we accept that we have and confess it, we are not ready to move on into all that God has for us. If the psalmist was writing today, he might have worded his prayer like this, Save me, O Lord, from the lies of those who think they know the answer to life, but don't. We must discover that before we can say yes to God, we must first learn to say no to the world. Father, we would make the prayer of the psalmist our prayer also. Rescue us from those who would represent the world to us in terms that are not entirely true. We turn from the untrue to the true. Help us, dear Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a beautiful day. Love you all.